Good morning, family. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good to see everybody. I'll give it a couple minutes for you guys to get settled uh, as we get going for our reading rant today. So give you guys a couple minutes to settle down. We are going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts. We read, uh, let's see, last time we read 15 through 17. Oh, man, we were getting lit. We were getting lit for that one. Uh, today, we're going to be, we're going to start with 18. We'll see how how far the Lord takes us today as we spend time in the reading of the word. If you will, go ahead and get settled, y'all. Get settled. Quickly, as you're getting settled, as you're coming in, quickly, shout out where you're located. All right. Quickly, shout out where you're located. Let the family know where you're at. Shout out where you're located. We are right here. We are on we are on YouTube today. Um, but I know I got my Discord fam on. So Discord family, let them know uh, where you're located. And also, if you're familiar with your Discord fam, just quickly put your Discord tag on there so people will know uh, who's talking who's talking on Discord, who's messaging on, on, uh, on, not on Discord, but on YouTube. So just quickly shout out where you're located <clears throat> as we get situated. Hold on a second. I'm just getting settled, y'all. Get settled. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this time um, in the word as we spend time reflecting on it. We've been on a journey, y'all. We've been on a journey. We've been on a journey from when we first started reading through the New Testament, through reading the entire Old Testament, and then now reading through this portion of the New Testament again. If you guys aren't familiar, we've been doing this for a minute, y'all. We've been doing this for a long, long time minute. Um, and it's been great. It's been great going on this journey. Initially, when we first started, what I wanted people to do is I wanted people to see, I wanted you to see how you can get through a lot of scripture if you just devote about 15 to 20 minutes a day on scripture. So initially, when we had first started, we were reading through uh, the book, the, the, the entire New Testament from the Gospels all the way to the book of Acts and then uh, through the letters. And then, of course, Revelation. And as we were reading, um, we were reflecting. So I would read for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I'd reflect for 15 to 20 minutes. And that was an amazing journey to go on. Go on. And then afterwards, folks were like, yo, let's just do the Old Testament. So then we went back around to go and to do the Old Testament. And so, and after now that we've gone through the entire Old Testament, we're reading through the New Testament. When I first started recording the Read and Rant, we started in uh, Romans. We started recording in Romans. And so we didn't record uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we didn't record Acts. And so I figured, you know what? I want to make sure we get through the entire Bible uh, recorded, our reading of the entire Bible recorded, so that those who are going on this journey can start from the gate and read through the whole thing along with us. So some of you are doing this live right now on YouTube. Others will be listening to this on Patreon because we have our Patreon community. By the way, I want to encourage you, if you aren't supporting us yet on Patreon, we need your support. And so please support us, patreon.com slash Isaac Freer. Not only that, there's going to be more exclusive content there as we're winding down for the read and ramp. We're going to be changing our entire, uh, uh, our entire approach, our entire rhythm um, there'll be more content that will be exclusively to Patreon. And then we may actually either continue this podcast or launch another podcast 
where we'll post once a week on that podcast. But we want to make sure that we're continuing to nurture our community, especially those who have committed to supporting us in the endeavor that we have of bringing the message of Jesus to the world. And so for those of you who are patrons on Patreon, thank you so much. For those of you who are here, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the generosity of our patrons. So I thank you so much, guys, for your support. And also, um, for those of you who... Um, may, may not be able to support on Patreon, but still want to stay connected with us, I want to encourage you to go to Discord. Join our Discord community. It's amazing out there, y'all. Join our Discord community. Uh, it's a good time. So definitely connect with us there. It's discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. We're going to get right to it. If you're here for the first time, because I know I got my YouTube community on and I know I got my folks who just shouted themselves out. If you're here for the first time, this is the Read and Rant where we spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading through scripture and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on scripture. Um, if this is your first time, this is not uh, this is not just a one-off. We've been doing this for a minute. So I want to encourage you, go back, either support us on Patreon or check out the podcast as well, where we've got the readings of the scripture available there, where you can catch up with us, maybe, you know, go through the entire journey along with some of the OGs that are here, because I got some OGs who are here who've been journeying with us for a minute. But I'm excited about this time as you've come to join us and also invite friends, share with friends. Guys, we've hit 250,000 downloads. 250,000 downloads on the podcast. That is incredible. So yeah, so let's do it, y'all. We're going to get into the scripture. We're going to get into the word. We're in Acts chapter 18, and we're going to pray. And the three things that we're going to ask in our time of prayer is first, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first thing that we're going to ask. The second thing we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third thing that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And we're going to prayerfully consider those questions as we spend time in the word, trusting and leaning on the Holy Spirit to give us the truth of who he is, of who we are, and of what we're called to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, as we come together today, Lord, in your word, Father, I pray that you would bless this time. Lord, bless each and every one of our patrons, each and every one of our listeners, our supporters, those who are watching, those who may be here for the first time, Father, I just pray right now that you would bless this moment. Let this moment do a work in us, Lord God. Transform our hearts, renew our minds, that we may become more like you as we engage in your word. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it. Acts chapter 18 says this. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. 
But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered into a house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. When Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Then Gallio was proconsul of Achaia. The Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul and brought to him the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, Look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, before Gallio took no notice of these things. Goodness gracious. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed to Syria. And Priscilla and Achilla were with him, and he had his hair cut off of Sincrea, for he was taken, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus, and left from there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, "I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem." But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order to strengthen, in, in order, strengthening all the disciples. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Achilla and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And it happened. Chapter 19. Before I lose my voice, I feel like I'm losing my voice, but we're going to read and we're going to keep going. Chapter 19. And when it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. 
And finding some disciples, he said to them, Do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But some of them were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Hmm. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of a similar, similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods, which that they are not gods which are made with hands. So only 
So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be in despair and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people and the disciples who would not follow him, then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know what had come, why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand, wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have another inquiry to make, it shall be determined in lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in the question for today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. I'm going to stop right here. Um, if you've been with us for the past couple weeks as we've been journeying through the book of Acts, since we've been, man, we've been going heavy through Acts. If you've been with us for the past few weeks as we've been journeying through the book of Acts, then you would know that um, that we have been journeying through the story of the birth and the nascence, the nascence, the birth of the church, the nascence of the church, and also its its embryonic phase. I like the term embryonic because it isn't fully structured. I like the term embryonic because it's a living but it hasn't fully taken shape. It doesn't have all these structures in it. It's very much organic. It's an organism, but it's an organism that's at, there's a, there's a life to it. There's a, a primacy. There's a, there's a purity to it. Movements tend to be very pure when they just get started. Movements, tend to be what you see is what you get. 
because the movement itself is motivated by an authentic, righteous indignation. There's something that is being spoken of in support of or in support against. And that's what brings the people together. It's that very thing. This movement, though, is different. It's in its embryonic phase, but it's not a movement that is prostrated by any personal agenda, but rather one that has been instigated by a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Literally, these people did not have an agenda. She did not even know what was next. Remember, they were asking Jesus, like, is the time coming for your kingdom? This this promise that Israel is waiting for. They had their own agenda. And God, in that moment, Jesus in that moment said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Just like, this ain't, this ain't your agenda. This is not your plan. So immediately, even from the gate, this church was not birthed off of the agenda of a person or a group of people, but rather by the outpouring, the supernatural outpouring of the spirit of God on these people. The disciples all in the upper room. We saw it in Acts chapter two. And so we see this instigated outpouring of, of God, of his spirit, of his wisdom, of his majesty, of his glory, of his mind. And now it's been imparted on these people. And these people begin to move supernaturally. I think sometimes when we think of the birth of the church, we simply think of it as like a cool cultural sociological, sociocultural movement. We think of it that way. We think of the church often as just this new thing, you know, a resistance against the powers, agendas, whatever it may be. We think of the church that way. But when we read the scriptures, we see a different story. We see people who don't have it actually completely figured out. But they have been so moved by God by the spirit of God that they did nothing else but to share and to proclaim and to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Their agenda was really simple. It was Jesus. And yet they were still trying to figure it out. Peter was still trying to figure it out. We saw that in Acts chapter nine. We saw that in Acts chapter 10. Peter's like, whoa, this is not what I thought it would be. Peter did not even have his own agenda on this. Peter was being moved, informed, and inspired by the very thing that the Spirit of God was doing, not just in him, but through the corporate expression of the body. I say this because the move of God is not going to be won by simply one charismatic voice. A move of God is going to be one that brings life, passion, and drive to an entire people and an entire community. But a move of God is not just going to be that either. It's going to have some supernatural element to it. At this point, if you're reading Acts, you can see the impact of the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God in his people. 
We just read it last time, and I didn't really, I didn't even spend much time in, on that part in the reading ran. The woman who was tormented by spirits. This woman who was torment, tormented by spirits in, 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 uh, in chapter 16. If you recall, the one who would perform divination, that had the spirit of divinations, and there were those who actually made money off of her because of the spirits that were manifesting through her. There was an intrigue about her, and yet Paul and Silas prayed for her, and she was delivered, delivered of those spirits. And of course, they were put in jail and all that good stuff, but we missed that part. Like We, we talk about Paul and Silas going to jail, but then what about the part where, hold on a second, there was something spiritual happening here. There was something supernatural, ethereal, if you will, that that exists beyond the realm of what you see, beyond the realm of agendas, there's a, another realm at work. There's another power. There's something else moving and driving this movement. Paul has an encounter with Jesus. Remember, Paul was the one who was one of the primary dissenters. He was against this whole thing. And yet Paul had an encounter with Jesus, went blind, and then by the miraculous by the obedience of a prophet, the scales were lifted off, off his eyes miraculously. It was a miraculous encounter. Paul came to Jesus, not just off of a, oh, wow, this Jesus thing is actually a pretty good idea. Oh, wow, this Jesus thing actually makes sense. Oh, wow. And I'm not saying people can't come to faith in Jesus at a point where they've reasoned their way into finding that the most logical thing to believe is to believe in a Jesus that rose from the grave. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm saying it won't happen without the participation of the Holy Spirit. Even then, the Holy Spirit comes and meets us right there. Let me tell you something real quick, fam. You're coming to faith in Jesus is a miracle. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. As much as you can say, I went through this and I went through that and I dealt with this and I dealt with that or I was really spending time thinking about this and I came to this conclusion, plenty of folks have gone through what you've gone through and did not come to Jesus. Plenty of people have dealt with what you've dealt with and have not come to Jesus. And plenty of people have been exposed to the same information that you've been exposed to and you have not come to Jesus. So fam, Give God glory that even then that the Holy Spirit was working in you, inspired you to see and to know who Jesus is. It is a miracle that any of us believe in him today. It is the work of the Holy Spirit for any of us to arrive to this life, to come to this conclusion and to reach this place. This is all a work of God. This is all a move of God. This is all a work of the Holy Spirit. And to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Paul had his Jesus moment. Peter has had his Jesus moment. The disciples have had their Jesus moments. And now we see all the folks along the journey, Silas, Barnabas, all having their Jesus moment. We can read through this and I can, we can go back and, and look at how it all happens. 
Cornelius had his Jesus moment, came to faith through a vision. Like he literally had a vision. They all had their Jesus moment. Can you just for a moment just remember your Jesus moment? I know I have some atheists here and I know I have agnostics. I know I have people who don't know where they're at, don't know where you stand. I want to say, first of all, I'm glad you're here. Real talk. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you go on this journey with us. I'm glad you're reading through the entire Bible with us. I believe that it is a powerful thing just to expose yourself to it and, and let God do the work. And so I'm glad. I'm so glad you're here. But I want to talk for a moment for the, to the people who aren't atheists, to the people who have faith in Christ. Can you just think about that moment real quick? Can you take any credit for that moment? Can you take any credit for what God has done in your heart? I mean, just think about it just for a moment. The grace of God, the goodness of God, the providence of God, the sovereignty of God. I know we're using all these words, but God is so big. He's so good. He's so powerful and he is so loving. He's so loving that he met you right where you are took that wrecked up person, the hater of God. We see stories of how the Holy Spirit works. People who hated God for so long couldn't stand the message of Jesus. And yet now, one of the most passionate, among the most passionate people to share the message, the love, the grace, the beauty of Jesus to other people. Isn't it crazy how God has a way of just turning somebody's heart around turning somebody's mind around fam we are not here if it we would not be here sorry if it had not been for the grace of god and just for that just take a moment real quick just appreciate that alone like just just appreciate what god has done i see the paul's ministry i see peter's ministry i see all the tensions but i see the grace how God works and we get through 16 and 17. We talked about 17. Paul's engaging with the culture and then we get to 18. In all of it, we see the supernatural working of God. For people who were at the time deeply superstitious, let's not ignore that. For people who were heavily involved in spirituality, deeply, I mean, steeped in it, mysticism, polytheism, you know, Zeus and Hermes, Diana, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, Pluto. For people who were so deeply entrenched in the spiritual, who were aware of the spiritual, who were deeply superstitious people, God had to meet them in a certain way. For people who were so closely intertwined with reality and spirituality, God had to meet them in a very powerful way. And the message was good. The gospel was good, but the gospel met them right where they are, right where they were. So people who were oppressed by demons, oppressed by spirits, 
who were governed by these beliefs and these belief systems, Paul had to come in and he had to tear it all down. Paul had a grace for that. So where Israel is dealing with the law, and this is, and again, I'm, I'll, I'll be done in a couple of minutes here. But notice Paul's methodology as we've been reading. Paul goes to the synagogues and reasons with the Jews. And then we see Paul go to Athens, Ephesus, Philippi, all these Greek cities with a demonstration of the power of God. Notice, same man, two methodologies, two modalities. Same man, two different approaches to ministry. In one side, Paul is like, all right, you guys, your, your idol and what burdens you and your chain is actually the, the Mosaic law. So you know what? I'm going to break that with the gospel. I'm going to break that chain with the gospel. But for the people who aren't bound by the Mosaic law, they're bound by new age, mysticism, spirituality. They, oh no, they need a different kind of manifestation of the gospel, a different kind of deliverance. I want to lean in on that, fam. I want to lean in on that. Because you'll see God move and manifest in different regions, in different places, and in different ways. And you cannot question it because that is not your context. I've seen people say stuff that they see on social media or stuff that they see. And they will criticize that expression of the gospel. They'll, they'll criticize that demonstration of the gospel. Because, because they would presume that their flavor... And their means by which they came to Jesus is going to be the same way that somebody else is going to come to Jesus. They are both miracles in their own way and in their own right. But God has a way of meeting us. This is what the gospel does. It meets us right where we need him. Because the beauty and the purity of the gospel is that God... He knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our predilections. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we grew up on. And he knows what governs us. And God meets us right there. Exposes it. There's some things I hear preached in one context won't matter in another. The other context doesn't care about it. Some things I hear that are being spoken about in this context that this context does not care to understand or won't understand and it would be difficult to understand. If God calls you into a region, you need to meet that region where it is. And so we see all this supernatural work. They're both real and they're both all God. But I find that Western Christianity, because Western Christianity is so cerebral <laughs> to a fault, is so cerebral that we only believe the gospel should be preached in one way. It is through apologetics, through reasoning. Well, yeah, if the people are in the synagogues and they're religious, reason with them. But there are people who are far from that, who are dealing with some of these spiritual strongholds who need more than just reasoning. 
I know this might get me in trouble with some folks who don't believe that this stuff matters anymore, who don't believe that God moves in this way anymore, who don't believe that that's necessary. But fam, I'm going to tell you something right now. It is absolutely necessary because it is real. God is not just a God of the earth. He's the God of the heavens. And he is the God who made the heavens and the earth. And all throughout the scripture, we see a deeply spiritual thread that holds all this together, that's woven all throughout the scripture. But of course, we like to just ignore it. Not realizing that God works and moves through a realm that we do not see and may see it manifest in a realm that we do see. People here are being delivered, y'all. Delivered of demonic oppression. That is a real thing. Now, of course, I'll say this, and this is just a quick little side note on this because it's important for me to mention, is in today's world, we also have these quote-unquote hyper-spiritual demonstrations that are not of God either. How do we know that? Because they do not point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because they don't point to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but rather point to the person who's performing the miracle, we begin to celebrate the person (laughs) and not Christ. And so unfortunately, in in the world of charismania, it becomes a circle where people go to see just the demonstration and not to bring glory to Jesus. Fam, that's just as lost and just as broken and just as messed up. I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about the fact that there are those who are deeply aware of it and those who choose to willingly ignore it, not realizing that they both matter and they're both real and they're both supernatural and they both require the working of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it wasn't done on TV. Yes, it wasn't a suit that was getting thrown on somebody while the other person just started to twirl all up and down the stage or start rolling around on the stage. It wasn't that. It wasn't any of that. But my my family, it's in the text. It's in the text. And we see people who this is the stronghold that is over them. And Paul meets them right there. What this text reminds me of today is how God meets us right where we are. He meets us right where we need him. He meets those who are doubting, those who are bound by religion. He meets you right there as well. Those who are bound by their own axioms of thought and their own gods and their own thinking, he meets them there. Ah, but for those who are deeply entrenched in spiritualism and deeply entrenched in that new age crap and all that new age stuff who are deeply entrenched in that who read horoscopes as their guide like those people also need jesus as well and fam i can tell you right now from personal experience from personal observation there's another type of deliverance that some people need that others do not And unfortunately, the church is in an era, in an age where some of us have intellect. It's become so intellectual that it doesn't even have power anymore. 
Don't get it twisted. I love studying scripture. I love reading theologians. I love it. I love digging in and learning more about the text to learn more about God and learn about more about who God is. But the power isn't there. What does the scripture say? Scripture say that the kingdom is not in word, but in power. And yet all we give is just word, not realizing it takes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, be it through preaching, be it through um, the ministry of the gospel, be it through witnessing, be it through the ministries of mercy and care, through outreach. It's going to take the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to do it. I can feed you, but I'm going to need the Holy Spirit to inspire you. And to teach you about a God who is Jehovah Jireh, who provides for you. I cannot do that on my own. I need the work of the Holy Spirit to do it. This is why we don't pray enough in the church anymore. I'll say this. If the church prayed more, we'd see more demonstration, more exposing of the things that are hiding under the shadow of just intellectual Bible teaching. It's good. But if that is the end, we're in trouble. I can tell you right now, the enemy is hoping for our ignorance. He's hoping for our ignorance to know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And yet we stay in the flesh and we stay in the blood. I think it's kind of interesting how we will reason about everything. But ignore the fact that we believe in one of the most unreasonable things that a man rose up from the grave. Just think about that for a second. Like, again, I'm starting to learn now, more Christians don't even believe in that anymore. Which then again, then no wonder the gospel has no power because we don't believe in that anymore. But for those who believe in Christ, like for those who believe, who believe in a Jesus who rose from the dead, Fam, there's no reasoning into that. Only those who have witnessed it can say, I've seen it. Everybody else, the only way to believe it is by the Holy Spirit. It's by the working of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, that's another conversation for another day. I'll leave you with this. Paul is telling those who have he's reasoned with, starting with, man, this guy right here. This guy right here, Apollos, preached with power, preached with authority, knew the scriptures, studied it well. I'm talking about this guy knew his stuff. He had the sauce. All right. If you're going to if you're going to invite somebody to preach at your conference, you're going to invite Apollos. Apollos was that guy. The golden voice, the one who would preach with authority. And man had deep insight and understanding of the scripture. And yet even Apollos needed a Priscilla and an Aquila who probably weren't as educated. Um, probably didn't even, may, may not even known the scriptures as well as Apollos would have known it. And they're the ones who said, hey, everything you're saying is it's good, but there's a couple things you're missing here. There's a thing that they saw that went way beyond just the mind. 
way beyond just reasoning. There was a power in, of the gospel that they that, that Apollo still needed instruction and revelation of. You see, Apollos was born into the baptism of John. I'm done. I'm going to be done in a minute. He was born into the baptism, born into the faith, sorry, into the baptism of John. And Paul says concerning guys like Apollos and the other Jews in chapter 17, verse 13. Yeah, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there and also stirred up the crowds. They had a problem with it. Because they're seeing a different kind of message, a different kind of gospel, a different kind of this flavor. Ugh, I don't know if we like it. We like John's because John preached repentance. And yes, repentance is in the gospel. But what were they repenting from? Not from their sins, from their Jewish law, from their Jewish way of thinking. And so they repented of that. But the Gentiles don't need that kind of repentance. They need, they need another kind of repentance. And so the baptism was a baptism of the repentance that John preached. And Paul's like, but there's another gospel, a better gospel, a full gospel. One that goes beyond simply repentance away from your Jewish ways and your Jewish way of thinking. Because it's still deeply Jewish, even though it's not Jewish. They were stirred and immediately they pushed Paul out. They did not like what he was preaching because what mattered to them was not what mattered to the Athenians. And so what we read is all this discord and all this bickering and fighting. I'm encouraged when I read that because the one thing it teaches me is that even with everything we see on TikTok, everything we see on Instagram, everything we see on social media, everything we see on YouTube, everything we see about people going back and forth, bickering back and forth, arguing back and forth, even in all that, it was never a step back. This has been the church from the beginning. I take comfort in knowing that God still can move even in the midst of all of that. And God continued to move even in the midst of all of that. And so in 18, he says, sorry, in 19 verse four, he says, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ, meaning the baptism of repentance. Repenting is just part of it. It's not just what you're repenting from. It's what you're going to. And he said, this should lead you to Jesus. Because there's the baptism of repentance and there's the baptism in the name of Jesus. And I say this as just a word of encouragement. I know I got to go, so I'm going to shut it down in a minute. I know I got to go here. But if there's anything we can get is that in the gospel, the gospel is more than just what you are running from. It's about what you are running to. The gospel is more than just, let me not do this, let me do this. Let me, 
It's not about the rules and what you're chasing to run away from. I'm going to run away from sin, flee from sin. We make that all about it. But no, no, no. It's about way, way more than that. The gospel is about what we are running to. Because when the gospel is about what we're running from, we can run in all kinds of directions. You know, that's what's happened in the church today is that we will agree on a lot of things. But on the few things that we disagree on, we will divide. We create denominations. I did not see a denomination at all in the book of Acts. If you saw it, then fam, help me out. I saw different people with different beliefs. And yeah, sure. But they were one church. Because what we run to is not what we run from. And what we're running from does not necessarily lead us to what we need to run to. Family. So family, let us run. Let us run to the one who is the source of our lives. Let us run to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's stop running away from things. But let's start running towards Jesus. And I promise you, fam, the closer you get to Jesus, the further you'll be away from whatever it is you're running from. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to everything that God has in store for you. So fam, stop running. Stop running from yourself. Stop running from people. Stop running from unforgiveness. Stop running from guilt and shame. It's going to get you nowhere. But Jesus, in the presence of the Lord, there is freedom and fullness of joy. So run toward him. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. The word that reminds us we can find safety in you. Lord, today as we come before you, Lord, there are those of us right now, Lord, that find ourselves on shaky ground. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We've lost sight and many of us have lost our way. So Father, I ask today that you would order our steps reorient us toward you, that we may glorify you in all things. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen.